Estilo Media Podcast. Well, that's Here again. we are. Number three already. Feels like we just did the first was that episode. From, was that a Queen song you were just singing? I was just singing. Well, I it's thought it was from anything. the Highlander soundtrack thing. It's it's probably here what? we are. Oh, nice! It's probably just a calico of concepts and memory just mashed into an right. ugly clay ball, and it just comes out as gibberish. How do we ever die? From my mouth, yeah. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome hello. back to our our special little small pants podcast. Well, I'm Ian. I'm Eric. And this is the podcast. Uh, what's the name of it? Philomythia podcast Philomythia. or the podcast Philomythia I guess today we're going to be more pretentious today I think pretentious so. fits it does yeah for sure um so what are we doing Ian what's this podcast about this podcast is about how much I love stories and tabletop RPGs and how we've learned we're learning to play them currently <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Even though we've loved them for 30 years, practically. Many long decades. Barely kind of getting into the swing of playing them and understanding how to play them now that we're all adults. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because I think one of the things is like when you're a teenager this stuff is really cool and then you get a little older and it's kind of like all this other stuff comes up and you're like yeah that's something i i did do but i don't have time and now that we're like past like early adulthood um and especially with covid you realize oh no it's still something that's super cool and right. something i want to spend my time on you know and i don't really care if people think it's immature or whatever you know yeah. this is just what i want to do Absolutely. And this is our journey that we're sharing with you. And hopefully yours. Yeah. Hopefully you take some of this and you're like, hey, I want to play those games and do that stuff. Finding a group, though, I mean, we are spoiled with the group that we kind of have right now. Sure. Yeah. Because we've known each other forever and we're all pretty consistent about playing on the day we play but finding a consistent group is hard yeah and that's one of the cliches right yeah absolutely keeping a campaign going keeping a group going is not the easiest thing in the world however you have tons of online resources so there's a whole i'm going to call it classifieds ad uh area in roll 1930 the classifieds Hey, that's what they call it on Craigslist. If it's good enough for Craigslist, Craigslist it's good enough has, for me. I guess it's still following that. That's what's called classified. It's like if you want to buy a used car or a PS4. Right, it's just following or, that know, old formula free, from the free newspaper. Puppies. Free um, puppies. You want to you wanna sh- you know, show dicks to each other. There's a oh, place wow. for that. Lon- Is there a lonely, place for that? Lonely sexual people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. How do you, why do you think, like, there's been, like, the serial killers who've killed people through that because there's lonely people who want to touch each other? Wow. wow. That sounds terrifying to me. Yeah, I would never want to. Yeah. I don't even like doing online dating. I just, I just. Yeah, it's terrifying. Crushing. It's horrible. 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 
fucking swiping swiping uh swiping. anyway yeah. let's let's anyway, get out of this hellish nightmare <laughs> so i feel like there's never i mean D D is super popular yeah, i would absolutely. say more popular it's it's becoming like nerd football i would say oh, like nerd point. nfl yeah nerd NF- nfl Because football sure. would be just any of the games but nfl is the popularized Right, popularized, but what I mean is how pervasive it is in the culture, like this sport that everybody seems to love. Um, D&D specifically is kind of like that, and the the NFL, for right. sure. And because so there's tons like, of resources to, to find people online. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, because you could say, like, bringing up one that we we're looking at lately, Blades in the Dark would be like mm-hmm. the college football uh, a college right. level football, and it's not about right. tier; it's just about popularity. There's a whole group of people that only want to play Blades in the Dark, where they're like, "Oh, college football." But then there's a lot of people that are all right. about that D and D. Yeah, yeah, and most people statistically are are D and Ders first. That's like their yeah. gateway, and then they start to look for other things, and kind of like the uh, the latest Matthew Colville. Um, video was it the latest? Yeah, where he's talking about the the Warhammer dice. Oh mechanics yeah, that from like that third edition or whatever. Yeah, yeah that guy's yeah. Uh, complaints about Blades in the Dark just because Blades in the Dark is a mechanical system, but it's one book and it also is infused with a campaign world, so they're not separate. So that's one thing to know. Just like Pathfinder is the same way; it's an actual campaign setting, and and a mechanical system essentially right so but yeah i'm i'm very excited we might do some one shots on here for blades in the dark or something oh we totally should because that's super funny and awesome yeah i wonder if you could do solo yeah absolutely in the dark well it's supposed to be a heist so it's designed to have like a team yeah you could have like you could just have uh some of the roles be almost flashbacky for like True. people showing up that he needs right. when they get to the point where he needs this other person like he meets up like if you're soloing it you meet up with like NPCs that have those other jobs and you roll with them as the D- the GM maybe for the same type of things whereas right. they're with each uh, kind of checkpoint or NPC that they come across that you know Sure. You could always do like, like if I'm GMing, you could do two characters and have two be NPCs, I guess, too. And right. Or like, like yeah. Stuff I mean, like there's that. so many ways. Uh, just because I mean, I'm not super familiar with Blades yet, mm-hmm. but uh, watching the one shot that I'm watching right now makes me like seriously want to just go like literally right now when we're done recording up the road buy the book. Blades in the dark you, and just buy should. it and be like, Absolutely. I want it. Like yeah. I would this yeah. I have to play this game. It looks yeah. so fun. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I, but you know, uh go ahead. No, Sorry. no, I was I keep going. You please. Um there's never been a better time to play RPGs because if you're like, you know, the cliche is that D and D is about fighting monsters. I don't agree with that, but I can see mo- you know, combat and fighting giant kind of grotesque creatures is a big part of it Mm. um but you got games like 10 candles where you're this person at the end of the world and everybody knows they're gonna die and you're trying to live out like a secret wish and you've got simbarum and 
you got Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and Starfinder and you've got you've got non-combat RPGs. So there's tons of people to play with who want to play and tons of games to play. So if D&D isn't your uh jar of jam, there's plenty of other ones that are, might suit your fancy, oh, yeah. you know. I yeah. almost feel like uh my homebrew campaign like now that I'm like seeing what uh Blades in the Dark is potentially like Mm -hmm. there's almost a part of me that's like oh that would have probably really worked with the idea Mm -hmm. of Forged when I first was making it yeah um you know because they're a squad and they you go send out on these missions Mm -hmm. each time and there's like an overall plot happening that you can reveal through these things Um, right like as I'm watching I'm like this would have been so much fun to run as a blades in the dark right right for sure well you could always still switch it over or incorporate those things especially i would really like to do like a once a month blades in the dark campaign yeah just for fun just when we can fit it in because there's already so much rpg stuff going on um but it's it's that it's that cool to me i'd really like to do it i mean this is weird that we're talking about this on the podcast. Should I? I mean, no, uh, talk about it. Do it. Think. I mean, I mean we can always cut it out, but I don't think it's going to be a problem. What so. What do you think about the idea of, uh, because of everything that's been going on with uh, Sunday campaign and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, turn the Sunday campaign and be like, hey, you guys, do you want to try Blades in the Dark? Um,. I think that would be more realistic if the other players were more experienced in D and D. But I get, uh, I feel like they're so anxious about playing. Less so now, but I feel like they're so anxious about playing. If we throw them into another rule system, you're going to reset that. <laughs> yeah, probably that stability that they're starting to feel. That's true. Um, you're but right. we 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 do need to make some choices because that's that. Uh, there's some monkey wrenches right. that got thrown into to that campaign. So I'm not opposed to that, but I feel like it'd be better just to play it outside and really get a sense of what the game is on the table, quote unquote, and then see if, if that's appropriate. See what the learning curve is really like and the, those kind of things. Sure, sure. Because um, there's you know one player in specific who's not going to read the book right. or learn the rules. It's only going to be on table, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but that means me as a GM, I need to know my shit. Right, you need to know the mechanics very well so yeah. you can yeah. express yeah. them to someone that doesn't know for sure. Yeah, and help them learn and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. But. I definitely Blades in the Dark needs to be in my life. Oh yeah, for sure. it looks for so. Sure. I, I like I'm watching like I've told you a season of Critical Role right now, and I'm about to just like because I still have like ten hours left, and I'm like about you're to, gonna switch. I'm about to abandon it like right yeah. here at the end, even switch. though I love it. Yeah, to just like check out what this Blades in the Dark system is like and really hear what that is i know we're rambling about these game systems and these no, other things this is this is what this is about like we don't have to like uh, we have topics but we can always do them in a different episode so well, continue good it, sir. it also is about like you know what we were just talking about like having players and 
when you have players that play in your campaign, you do have, as a GM, you need to respect the players and not just drop shit on them all of a sudden out of nowhere right. and be like, oh, we're not going to play this anymore. I mean, you can't do that. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I do like Matthew Colville's idea that, look, the DM is a player too, but there's a social contract between the, the DM slash GM and the players, and I feel like a lot of times the the cliche, you know, archetypal DM will make snap decisions and not include the players in on it instead of just being like, hey, guys. Yeah. And and ladies and in between. Um, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Like, the they're easily solvable by just, yeah. again, sitting down and talking. And that requires a little more forethought on my part. Uh, you know, whoever's running the game, that's their responsibility to be, to, to steer the ship. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, talking is good. And that's actually one of our topics today, too. Not that, that doesn't have to be a transition, but um, it ties into the theme of today's podcast. Yeah. Well, tell us what the theme is then. So, um, Again, this is just, okay, GMing, DMing, what does it mean? How do you get good at it? What does it involve? And, you know, giving our dear listeners, if there are any, that's debatable, (laughs) but um, we'll find out. Um, Giving them practical tools and also a conceptual framework to start DMing if they want to make the leap. And this isn't leaping. If you haven't ever been a player and you really just want to DM, my opinion is do that. Just jump into it. Um, You'll fall on your face, but you'll learn a whole lot and you'll get good real fast. So uh, I like to call it communion, which seems a little fancy, but communication and communion uh, come from the same root word which is about joining together Mm. Um, and i don't have the definitions today um that's one thing i didn't look up um and there's a concept from neuro-linguistic programming which states that the success of your communication lies in the results or the reaction that you get from the communication so if i you know whatever words i use i go hey ian how do I get to the store and you start screaming at me and calling me a racist? My communication probably isn't very good. I'm probably not saying it in a way that's going to get me the results I want. Um, and I feel like role players are better, but we're not always the best at saying things in a way where what we're trying, our intention is actually being communicated. Right. We might get caught up in the vernacular or the syntax or um, the specific words rather than what the what the DM is trying to say. Mm. And so I think that's a good thing to think about is like, what is the result I'm trying to get from this? Not in a manipulative way, but like, what am I trying to communicate to people at my table? And I, you know, I found that I didn't, well, the Sunday campaign, speaking of which, um, there, there was some drama, and I really feel, in retrospective, that I didn't explain things well enough to certain players. Like they weren't, they didn't understand what the game really was. Right, They'd never right. played a game before, and it really led to a lot of stress for them, which could have been avoided. Um, it was a really good learning experience. We talked through it, you know, we resolved it, 
which is what the only thing you can do at that point. Um, but it was like, oh yeah, that's not really, that's not really what I wanted to have happen. I didn't want that player to be stressed right, and right. worried about losing D and D, quote unquote. You know. Mm. Um, so along that line, um, talking about communication, and, and again, a, a lot of communication comes down to listening, right? Just like a lot of playing music with other people comes down to really listening to what's being put out from others right first. oh absolutely that's such a huge part of sounding yeah. together is yeah. learn to like listen more than you play yeah absolutely and you sound better as a musician when you listen more than you play and i uh i'm a music teacher i don't think i've said that on the podcast before but uh for my students I, I have the 60-40 rule where it's like 40% of your attention should be on you and 60% should be on the other players or the music or whatever you're doing. Really, it should be more, but that's a good place to start is like put a little more focus out there on others than you put on yourself. And usually you'll it'll be better for everybody, you know, in right. my experience. So along with that, for DM tools specifically... There's a thing that I call um, texturing, which is uh, using language to put players and really yourself to in the world of the game where a lot of times, and you're going to do this, you're arguing about mechanics and armor class and, <laughs> oh, how many feet away is this <laughs> giant bat that's flying down? Oh, it's 50 feet. Okay, it's in range. I can hit it with my fire bolt or right. whatever. And I'm just giving examples. Don't, don't keyboard warrior me like fireball is the range is not 50 feet. Yeah, I know. I'm just, just slow your roll. Um, but you know, instead Pretty of sure saying it's that, yeah, there you go. It's way farther. So it's just, uh, you know, okay, that that bat is 200 feet away. I oh, can't hit it with fireball. Nope. Right. That kind of thing. Which is important to know if you're doing tactical playing. If you're doing theater of the mind, it gets much more squishy and. And you have a lot more Fun. leeway in, in how things work. But even if you're being tactical, I think it's really good instead of if your PCs are in a dungeon and they're in a hallway, instead of saying, oh, the hallway's 20 feet down and it's 10, 10 feet by um, 20 feet, being like, oh, you're in kind of this cramped, dank hallway. You hear the sounds of dripping water and the smell of old... Uh, dusty mold in the air. Suddenly you start painting a picture or adding texture and depth to your campaign world and to that specific scene for the players and for yourself. Right. And so I think it's really good to think about language in terms of immersion. Getting, getting, the, um, getting the players immersed in what their PCs are doing rather than Oh, what? How can I take advantage of the rules? Which there's nothing wrong with that. That's just my opinion on it. Um, I also think that the GM facing mechanic specifically should be more invisible. So don't be, you know, just, it should just, like if you're rolling or if you have random tables or whatever you're doing that doesn't involve the PCs, making that really smooth really helps keep the immersion going and not breaking up that, you know, the the all-glorious um, game flow. The you continuity? Know, the continuity. 
Yeah. And we we know this. Uh, if you're in a if you're really flowing in a game and it's really awesome, and then suddenly you have to take a break, like right in the middle, like you know things are great. It can take like forty five minutes to an hour to get back to that spot. Oh, absolutely, like it's not instant. You know, so I've definitely been frustrated with certain games sessions rather where it's just start stop all all night long and you never really get get into it at all you're just kind of like okay well this is fun but it, i didn't feel like i was really playing D D right necessarily well that's that's like that continuity break for me mm-hmm. uh when it comes to when you're playing a game like homebrew not homebrew whatever you're gonna do consistency to me is is pretty crucial right um and it's not something i really thought of like i used to think of myself as somebody that was just like kind of flow with it go with it who cares and then the more i've learned about it and the more i've seen and heard and read i'm like oh consistency is what pulls you in that's what makes it feel going back to what we've also discussed many times is a dynamic world right um, where there's consistency within that world. So if we come upon a faction of like pirates, let's say, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're kind of they're kind of not friendly pirates, but they're treating us pretty neutrally, mm-hmm. um, and we're we're good with them. And then out of nowhere, something simple happens, like oh, I bumped into this one soldier. Now we're being thrown off the boat. Uh, from these pretty neutral dudes, they're throwing us off their boat and they're killing one of our crew, one of our friends, before they throw us off the boat for me bumping into that guy. That right. breaks continuity for me. That's like, what? Right. I hope you. Ha- I hope there's a good explanation somewhere as to why. Right. right. And unless, like, you know, you heard rumors or you talked to some NPCs and like a little, um, let's say, like, you know, beer tent, like on a beach, and they're like, "Ooh, there's this pirate group. Like, if you bump into them, they'll murder you." Right. Like, it may, you can prime for that. It's not that you can't have crazy absolutely factions, but if it's just out of the blue, that can feel very. You can feel kind of like a betrayal to the to the PCs. Right, because all of a sudden for something's sure. happening that was nothing, and that doesn't right. seem consistent with anything that's that's going on. That, and I never th- knew I would be that way until I started learning about being a GM and that stuff mm-hmm. I stress about when I'm playing is when I'm planning a session, I have all sorts of ideas that I just want to throw at my players, but I'm like, but wait, how does that make a lot of sense to just like, now it's all of a sudden this, right. that the players, I mean, some players may not even notice, but what about the mm-hmm. ones that do? I don't want to break right. the game for them to focus on them. You have to find a way Again, communication skills. We said it a bunch. Right. A way to work these seemingly crazy things in that makes it still seem consistent. Yeah. And I think if you have ideas that you're excited about, if you take the time to, to bake them in or plan them, maybe not. you're not going to use them immediately, but maybe a few sessions down the line. Right. I feel like you get the, the opportunity to refine those ideas and make them better. Mm-hmm. Like if the more I plan and take something and really flesh things out, the more I'm like, that was way better because I spent the time 
instead of just, oh, this is a cool idea. Let's throw it in there. Ooh, right. That didn't. That did not work. work. That's not what I. And now there's not like this. Not like this. Four hours of wasted game time of everybody just, you know, for lack of a better term, arguing for forty for two three hours right, right. over something that like didn't even matter like you show up to like encounter something and it was like oh that whole conversation you just had we didn't even need to have it because what we're doing now is totally different than that right right and absolutely that does happen but like if we make a plan and a bunch of stuff happens and then there's like two or three sessions where other stuff happens and then we find out oh four sessions in all of that stuff we did in that session four sessions ago it actually didn't matter that wouldn't bother me as much Mm-hmm. But what would bother me is if I discover the last three hours we just planned in a five-hour session, so we have two hours left to play, that three hours was absolutely useless. Right, right. That, that type of thing is, God, I just, I feel like I'm just bitching. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, I mean, this is, this is our soapbox. We, we get to bitch. We get to do whatever. You can complain away, my friend. Yeah, it was, and it's not, it's this, there's those things that, happen in gaming and also i need to say i've been a gm for only a short amount of time and i have encountered some things in my game where i felt like i did something and the the players didn't like it and i know the players don't always have to like it but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about something where they felt they were like what the hell that doesn't right that doesn't uh track basically um, and when that, that happens, I learn from it, hopefully, and I don't let that happen again because I want yeah. my games to be fun. I want them to be an escape from being stressed out. Like, good game stress is fine, but, like, being upset. Real-world stress is Right. It's not fun to work sad. with that yeah. in D&D. And some of yeah. those things happen. Yeah. And sometimes you got to know, like, sometimes you think something's going to be really cool, and then it hits the players, and they hate it even though it seems really cool and as a dm you can definitely be like well you know what we're rolling with it and we're just gonna go we're gonna we'll find a way through this yeah Yeah. that's you that's how it should work when something bad happens sure work through it man like you gotta and but hopefully you learn from it and don't let something like that do it again sure and we should say that you're gonna you're gonna make these mistakes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially starting out, and you should make mistakes. I feel like you should plan on that being part of your learning process because that's what's those mistakes are what will really teach you the super valuable things that will stick with you because you're like, ooh, that felt really bad. Don't want that to happen again, and so you have an emotional memory of that thing. Absolutely, for lack of a better term. So. We we're complaining about things that we've discovered by making mistakes and being in games where it didn't go the way we would like it to go. Yeah. Well, so go ahead. I have a, a piece of advice that's actually funny that's translated basically from you. Mm-hmm. This has to do with music from years ago. And I shared this piece of advice with a kid. And I'm going to tell you the last story. So. I hadn't seen this kid in years, like 10 years, and he uh, showed up on Facebook or in person, I don't remember what it was, but he goes, dude, I'll never forget that piece of advice you gave me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh? 
What? <laughs> what did you? What did I? In my head, I'm thinking, "Fuck." Uh oh. What, what did, did I, I say, say Was to I this high? kid that he know. now, ten years later, he still remembers it? Jeez. And he goes, "It was about when I was like nervous for a gig." And when he said that, I was like, oh, I bet I know what I said. And uh, he had his first gig. I remember talking to him. He had his first gig that was coming up. And it was, his, it was like, you know, an original band. And I was like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, oh, man, I'm real nervous. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, dude, why? What's up? And he's like, oh, my band has its first show tomorrow night. And I'm, I'm real nervous. And I'm like, oh, well, why are you nervous? And he goes, oh, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm going to screw up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you are. Don't be nervous yeah. about that. You totally yeah, are going yeah. to. Yeah. And he's like, what? And I was like, you're going to screw up, dude. Don't worry about screwing up because that's going to mm-hmm. happen. It always does. Totally. Worry about moving on past the mistake. Being like, I know I'm going to fuck up. So when I do fuck up, try to just push through it. Just get through it. Oh, I fucked up. Move on. You got it. Because right. when you're playing a song and you fuck up, you can't stop on stage Mm -hmm. and be like, can we Mm -hmm. start over? You got to just roll with it. And I'm telling you, and this is, this is what I told him. I go, no one's going to know that you messed up, man. Right. The more attention you pull because of the mess up is more likely how people will notice. But I'm telling you, man, no one is going to know. And 10 years later, he came up to me and was like, dude, I never forgot that advice. It was so perfect. Like, to not be afraid of making mistakes because you are going to. But yeah, of course. Right. Don't anyone that you listen to or anything, we everyone makes mistakes on stage or as the GM or as a DM. You, it's a learning experience. You're gonna mess up, but embrace right. those moments because that's yeah, that's where you're gonna learn. Like you said, that's where it's gonna have that emotional impact where all of a sudden you're like oh shit oh fuck yeah. and just keep going and you're going to remember oh when that happens if i keep going you know it's a whole thing yeah absolutely i mean just like the way everybody learned to walk and talk you you played around with it and it wasn't you know no parent at least hopefully is like you know screaming at their you know whatever one and a half year old two year old uh to like walk perfectly like that's not they're like they take a step and then fall and everyone's like yeah you did it like that's the attitude you should have is like yeah you're gonna fall on your face then you just get up and you do it again because you have to do it a whole bunch so you just get acclimated to those failures and it feels bad and then you get up and you realize the world has not ended and nobody really cares that seems horrible but it's really good yeah you don't want people to focus on your failures that's horrible you know yeah so just do it it's like that Just old, I don't know if it's some sort of other culture's uh, phrase of wisdom is the master has tried and failed more than the apprentice has even tried. Right. And that's like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's pretty It's kind of kind of like that success is built on a mountain of failure. Right. Type idea. Yeah. Or it's like how many sure. how many repetitions does it take for your muscle to learn something like 30,000 or some shit? Yeah. Well, yeah. Y- there's some debate on whether this is how scientifically valid it is, but it's a really good concept nonetheless is um, the 10,000 hours. That's rule. right, 10,000 hours, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you think about the way, I mean, learning is really cool. Doing something new is cool because you literally are changing the physical structure of your brain. You have to make new connections in the brain. So it's kind of like alchemy in a way 
we never think about it that way, but you're physically changing who you are to accommodate this new knowledge. And then you have to wrap this thing around those cells called myelin. So the information can fire fast enough so you can do the thing good enough. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of repetitions. So, you know, that's literally why somebody who's really good at something can make it look effortless because they've done it over and over and over and over and over, you know? So, yeah, get those reps in, bras. Get it in. Get it in. I just have to say this. I'm sweating. (laughs) You're sweating, huh? I'm sweating right now. Too toasty? I don't know, man. Maybe it's because I've been drinking whiskey. Oh, that's probably part of it, yeah. 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 So, um, that's good. Any any other thoughts on that? I mean, I have Sir a million Ian? thoughts, man. Sir Millions Ian? of thoughts. Billions, okay. possibly. Uh, oh, billions. Nice. I, I don't really understand numbers. I can't cast. I can't count <clears throat> can't past count, three. Can't count past two. <laughs> two. <laughs> um, um, no. So, this this whole communication thing. We've. I think we talked about this before, but that is the GM's job. That is your skill set is there's other things that are adjacent, but you're really talking and saying things. And then along with this texturing idea, presenting things in a real and dynamic way, which ties into what Ian was saying, which is consistency, like describing things in a way that makes sense and feels real and then making notes of that. So if they encounter that NPC or that environment or that whatever, it's going to be, it's going to have, uh, it's going to be attached to the last time right? in some way. It's going to feel like the same character or the same area, you know, that kind of thing. We, so. we, you just said something a second ago that I kind of want to latch on to mm-hmm. and bring this up because we've had this kind of thought and I want to see if you want to talk about that. Sure, sure. Is uh, you said the GM's job or something that the GM needs to be good at is communication. Yeah. So that leads me to the idea of what if you could get like a PhD or like a master's degree or like some sort of degree in game mastering or dungeon mastering? Mm -hmm. What would those what would that look like? What would the classes you need to have? Like, what would you what type of real world classes would you take or even not classes that we know of? Right. In order to get that degree and let's just start out with like a master's degree you know does not a not a ph not a doctorate in gming yet let's go with just a master's degree although a doctorate and dr dm would be pretty that would we can tackle that you know as we continue right Um, but you know a master's in dungeon mastering has a nice ring to it right well so um, I'm so glad you asked. This is another topic that I made notes for. I'm so glad. That was a great transition. Yeah, I um, thought you liked Well, that. I would say the first thing, um, again, I don't know what the undergraduate would be. I don't know anything about education like that, so we're going to just pretend. We're just going to pretend. This we're is just, our we're fantasy. Just, yeah, we're just saying, okay, if we had to make this thing, what would we do? And you listeners can point out what we missed. Yeah, and tell us. You can us point out the failures, yeah. and we can be like, you know what? That is a really good you point. You got a we point totally there. totally brushed over it. Didn't think about it. And now so you're I would blocked. Say, yeah, blocked. now you're blocked. We're not listening to you ever again because we don't like I hope it was worth out. it. <laughs> just kidding. We're not yeah, going to do I'm that. Yeah, I'm just joking. Yeah. 
So I would say the first thing is table time. And that is... Really? Table time is like number one. Well, you have to do the thing. I agree. If you're going to get a master's in DMing, you have to you have to be doing... You have to be actively involved in it, just like a doctor has a residency. Absolutely. They're still going to school, but that I would say, and and getting a thousand hours of table time is probably. Oh, I think a good it needs thing. to be way more than that. Well, for again, we're not talking doctorate. For I know the we're masters. talking masters. So a thousand hours yeah. gaming, like I've almost hit, you know, on our roll twenty tables. Right. Numbers not, like not that. Not planning. Not right. planning. That's what I mean. Like only playing. That's that's what I'm saying. Before I was a GM, my number was still right. pretty high as a player, and right. you could knock a little bit of it off just from staying logged in for a little too long accidentally. But mm-hmm. I'm still saying mm-hmm. I think like for a master's degree, as far as like game time, mm-hmm. I'd want to say 2,400 hours. Well, let's let's do the math. So let's say you never took a week off, so you do four hours of average of a game is generally going to be four hours sometimes shorter sometimes longer four seems to be the sweet spot so four times 52 well let's say that you know let's say for a regular person trying to do their job let's say you get to do 16 hours a week based on so you get to do you actually game time four hours four times a week because that seems more uh possible rather than like oh seven days a week four hours that's that seems extreme so, oh, I was just saying once a week. Oh, once a week. That's Yeah, was, just like, because most people have a, a regular weekly game. So that'd be like 16 and, hours a month. Yeah, so I was just doing a yearly. So okay. so how many weeks are in a year? Is it 52, 56, 52. 52. So let's say four times 52. That works. And most, okay. most people are going to take off numerous Holidays. weeks in there. So we're right. saying you're not taking off any weeks. Right. You're playing every week. Well, that's only 208 hours. Oosh. So So would... if you're playing if you're playing multiple games, you can double that. But that's okay. still only 416. So doing table time in that way, which is the average, mm-hmm. um that would take you a couple years. Yeah, I think though, but that like would how long does a master's degree take? Like uh well, you have the depends upon the degree. But you have the undergraduate, which getting a, a bachelor's is typically four years. Um, and then it can be anywhere from another two to another four years um, to get that, that next degree. Some, oh. Somewhere around there. Like if you're a doctor, it's way longer. Well, a master's lawyer, degree, really long. on average, a master's degree takes one and a half to two years is what this yeah, is saying. Okay. okay. For full-time so, students. Right, full-time. So again, if you're, if you're only running one game... That's really about part time, as far as just how much time it's going to take to prep. Mm. So, ma- if you're getting a real masters, you're probably going to have to run more than one game. But I right. would just say again, there. This isn't judging. Okay, this is how much you have to play per week. Right. This is the amount of time you need to have to when you're graduating. That's what I would say. But we can we can knock it up. That's just like way more like, especially if it's like two. Let's say you have two years. Well, I think that if like, you did it to like 1,200 hours then, that okay. would make sense well, for like a good standard, like maybe three-year degree type thing for a master's in this. And yeah, that puts this you is at just, like, just expertise. It's not, you don't know every nook and cranny, but you're very competent. This absolutely. And I think that yeah. that that puts you on average two to three games a week. Right. 
at certain times. Sometimes you might not have any. Uh, so that puts you at about two and a half years to get that much table time with an average kind yeah. of in there. And and I'll say this is that I for a for about six months I ran a game and a half. So it was one game every week and then one game every other week, and that was really stressful. It's a lot of work. So three games a week every week. It's and hard. If you're if you're you don't have the experience and you don't you can't fall back on anything you don't have any tables you've made or homebrew monsters it's going to be a, a full-time thing oh that's gonna so be i rough. would say three times a week is not realistic for most people but once a week um and then at build starting there and then building on it would be more realistic fine again, fine we'll go with again, your thousand We'll go with your thousand. Well, no, no. I think twelve hundred is great, but maybe say okay for this thing because there's no master. You can't go to college and get a master's in dungeon mastering. But for our little um, Philomythia University thing, we'll say it's five years. So you have more time, so you can do a once a week type of thing. You can take more time and still live your life. Just, okay. it's, again, it's hypothetical. Right. So that would be my first thing is table time. Like you have to have on the ground experience. Just like if you're a musician, you got to go play gigs, man. Whatever Absolutely. that is in the orchestra, in the bars. And if you really like it, you're going to want to do it more than once a week. Um, and you'll find out you might be like, you know what? I hate, I hate this planning. I just want to play. I just want to be a player. And that's totally respectable. So that would be, I think, ground, you know, zero level. That's like... That's the foundation. And then the next is the reading list. And uh, I already have built a reading list. Um, again, what I did to uh, construct this reading list is I took the reading lists from the three little brown books. I think it's in the second book. And then um, all the editions of D&D, their reading list. And I put it in a spreadsheet. So I am not going to read through this. But it's got a bunch of great fiction that was integral to the formation of um, the uh, uh, formation of D&D, like Jack Vance's work, which is where we get Vancey and Magic. If you don't know what Vancey and Magic is, um, it's the idea that spells are living things or they're kind of like these demonic entities and uh, wizards specialize in holding these entities in their heads. And when they cast a spell, the entity is expelled and the spell effect happens, and then they don't know the spell anymore. So we don't. It's not a true Vancing system in fifth edition, but we still use spell slots to represent. You can only do so much magic in a day. Like you can't do it forever, right? right? So it's got a lot of fiction, but then there's like some really cool fat books on like game design. Uh, there's a book we'll talk about in a little bit called Hamlet's Hit Points, which is kind of reading. Uh, a session and reading a story in terms of the emotional uh, pitch oh. and quality uh, to the session. Um, and then I just put ones on there that I've read that I thought were really good. So like Dune is a really good book to read. Um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, which uh, won the, um, uh, can't, what's the big prize they give out? The Pulitzer? Um, no, not the Pulitzer. The uh, the Nobel. The Grammys. Nobel Prize in uh, economics for just how cognition works. Um, the Golden Bow. Um, you know, uh, learn. I think uh, like the Magician's Companion, which is uh, 
um, like ceremonial magic it has a bunch of tables on like how things are related so if you want to incorporate more symbolism into your books those are great uh, stranger in a strange land things like that so I put some ones on there. So I would think there would be a reading list of things that, okay, within these five years, you got to read all these books because you want to know, and this leads into the subjects you would take. You want to know the history, I think, of D&D, where it came from. What is the perspective that the people who created the game and, and really were integral to the formation of the game uh, had on it? So that would be the next thing, I would think. What, what are you doing? What? 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 You, you sweating? Uh, I'm so definitely what you sweating, bro. I'm staying nice. sweaty over here. I'm seriously Stay sweating. sweaty. Well, we're we're living up to our catchphrase. Uh, what about you? What do you think? See, I feel like you're, as we're planning this, uh-huh. you're the, uh, you're like setting up all the like, for lack of a better term, uh, the shitty classes that people are like, oh man, I gotta go to fucking D and D history, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I gotta go get my tabletop time in. And I'm like, well, I think that you would need definitely uh, some sort of geographical type classes to like learn about map making and how cities are structured or how. Uh, you know, geography. I don't. I'm not even. I've been wondering what this subject is. So, if anyone ever listens to this and you can tell me what it is, that'd be great. But the subject that deals with how land masses are formed and how rivers come to be and why is it uh, like a uh, basic understanding of weather patterns and why you know uh, like world building type classes. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, I definitely would think like you need acting classes. Or improv classes at the very least mm-hmm. um, in order to to build upon those skills of communication. Um, I also think that uh, any I think you should learn a foreign language, just one, more if you want, just to understand the the idea of when two different cultures try to communicate the different language is like this one's set up like this. So when they learn the other language, they, you know, it gives you just more to add depth to the, the D and D's that you, the, the worlds that you create, the encounters you create, um, sure. history sure. for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying like hardcore into these, I'm just saying, you know, a good, semester two semester class in some of these things to give you a a good under like just a good understanding of basic principles that guide these things right and uh, you because you're not really you're not trying to be get a master's in geography or right. history you're trying to get you're trying to get enough of this to inspire your own Yes, and your own understanding of what's going to be believable and consistent in in a world, whether it's your homebrew or whether it's a module. I mean, that's why, for instance, I like Jim Davis so much because he got a, a master's in history. So his grasp of how history works and all the forces involved is very deep. Right. And so it's it's cool to hear that perspective. Same thing with uh, Matthew Colville. He has a huge uh, 
um, uh, history in um, game design. So a lot of times when he talks about the game, he comes from more of, okay, how can we make this game really snap? You know? Right. And so, yeah, I would say acting, improvisation, history, geography, um, and also basic math and statistics. I was going to say statistics, like some sort of yeah. statistics class, even if it's just basic statistics or I don't, I don't even know yeah. how yeah. that works. Uh, a psychology yeah. class of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, you could do a communications class. Right. Or like yeah. even a philosophy yeah. type class that doesn't need mm-hmm. to be that's more geared in like a general like glossing over a lot of different ideas in philosophy. Yeah. Not yeah. again, not trying to like. If there's one that you like a lot, then sure, delve in. But right. uh, having these general, it's almost like having a, this master's degree would have almost like a pretty high general quality to it. Um, but that mixed with game time and mm-hmm. multiple different types of games along with this, these skills could, uh, you could have a really interesting degree. Yeah. And I I would say that the twist for this is that it's not you're not going to treat it like a physical school like you're going to college or anything. You your classes could consist of like history could be like the hardcore history podcast. There you go. And philosophy could be philosophize this. So you're using modern tools of the internet. Because in my opinion, the internet is school. That's where we're really, everybody's getting their education for better or worse now. Right. That's where, especially the younger kids, that's where they're learning everything about the world pretty much. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So capitalize on the positive things on that. So it doesn't have to be like a boring class with pop quizzes and that kind of thing. This is because, again, the focus is on becoming a, a good DM. Um, and if if you listen to this and you're like, "Ooh, that's really cool," um, can you give give us more specifics? I'm happy to write lists and like make more of an outline. But again, this is just a thought experiment. Um, so I think that's good. And again, statistics and I know hardly anything, but I've gotten more and more interested in it because of D and D. And I was talking to one of one of my buddies who I actually saw in person. It was weird. It's the first person I've hung out with in like two years in like person. It was very strange. Um, awesome. But I was like, wow, you're actually here in person, not behind right. a screen. Oh, yeah. Very. That's weird. If um, any of you are listening like, to this in the future, the pandemic is still huge still right happening. now. Yeah, still big. Um, but I was like, if I had to make an argument for public schools... Like, why you should have D&D, it's like, look, it teaches you acting, it teaches you communication, you have to be able to schedule a bunch of humans to meet at the same time, you have to know basic math, you, it's, you're going to learn English. There's all these things that you can start to get excited about through D&D. So the, the idea is not to be like, you have to do this, and you have to do this. It's more, learn about the world through D&D. Like, get excited about more things through D&D. Let it be a doorway into the real world, quote-unquote. In my opinion. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that. With, with stats, I mean, it's more knowing how does this apply to D&D. Like, for instance, knowing if you if you make a D6 table with one, just one D6, all the numbers have a have a the same amount, uh, percentage of being rolled upon. So six is going to come up 
just as likely as a 1. But if you have 2d6, you have this nice bell curve, and the numbers in the middle are going to come up more than the numbers on the end. So 2 and 12 are not going to come up as much. So if you're making like a random encounter table, put your crazy monsters on the end. I think we talked about that yeah, we have. in one of the previous episodes. But that's the kind of things. It's like know the personality of these different statistics and how you can use them in your game. Right. So you're learning practical, associative um, information for you to be a better DM. That's what it's really about. In my opinion. <sighs> yeah, it's the line. Again, it's like that. We There's that meme that we were talking about the other day where it says if, uh, if you're doing a death save and you roll a 10, that should be a fail if it's supposed right. to be 50-50. But my right. brain keeps going, no, it isn't. That be a ten would still be a success. Well, it's right. It's right underneath fifty-fifty. Right. So, but the thing is, that I'm pretty sure that's intentional because they want it to be a little easier. the The designers don't want the players to die as much, so they make right. it a little easier. Just that yeah. one little percentage tick. Just a little. Well, it's five. It's five percent more. There you go. Five. So it's fifty-five percent chance that you're going to r- roll uh, and live. So yeah, and like, so having a basic understanding of that type of mathematical stuff mm-hmm. uh, is is beneficial for designing worlds and whatnot. Because you're like, oh, I want it to be this amount of percentage chance that this happens. Then you know, right. oh, if I want that, I make them roll sixty four. Right. Especially if you want to design your own mechanical system, like right. you want to do something other than d20 it's really helpful to know well if i roll this kind of dice it's going to give me these kind of averages so it it just informs your choices a lot more for sure um what about uh projects and campaigns should we say like if you're getting a master's you need to have like one fully fleshed out homebrew campaign world is there like a like a live streaming actual play project? Um, that seems to be a big part of masters and doctorates. Is like you get more focused into oh, I'm doing this specific thing. You know, I'm doing research into this. I'm you know I'm building this campaign world, and I'm you know, I'm gonna have people playing it or something like that. Big homebrew world. Most DMs have one that's kind of their magnum opus. They might do more, but you kind of have your main your main squeeze it seems seems like a no-brainer to me right and there might be dms who are like nope i don't want to do that that's fine maybe find a different project to work on something that's more suited to your needs but some kind of big thing that's gonna get you to graduate that's gonna be the thing that your centerpiece essentially right i I would think something like that i i think that like you need to be able to present competency in the creation of a world and i also think you need to create a show competency in uh doing um an instructed world if you will like one that's already made and you're Mm -hmm. what what was that a scripted one what what the fucking word that's just a campaign module modules like you have to be Mm -hmm. able to prove competency with a module yeah um, and then there's even and then, part of me that would be like, uh, 
you also need to display competency in almost like a performance type class or a performance type thing with improv improvisation or yeah something yeah. that shows that you like this project you do at the end needs to contain all of these competency right requirements in order to right. obtain yeah yeah absolutely and that the the improvisation thing might frighten some people again it's not going to be the main thing, but it's good. It's really good to work on that, like we were talking about in the previous episode. Being able to react to things in the moment um, is a skill that you can work better, and it's just about finding a way for that not to be so unbearably uncomfortable. Just right. enough so you're like, I'm totally embarrassed, but I'm, I don't want to end my life. Right. Now. Well, it's like, you I'm know? totally embarrassed, but I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay where I'm in because you're in a place where you can, especially if you feel competent in it. And yeah. I, I guess the, what comes from that is just doing it a lot. Like table time, man. Right. Yeah. Well, improv, I'm going to delve into that a little bit. All mm -hmm. me and you definitely have a long history of improv, whether it was music or when we were in school together, mm -hmm. improv or really being outside of, uh, yourself in a sense it was something right. that we had to do all the time back then right and right. and I will say this improv still makes me uncomfortable oh absolutely like, I hard. still have a lot of anxiety but I I understand it and I can use that um, tool in my sessions and campaign settings right. well it's it's so. interesting the the whole idea of improv and all this stuff or acting is mm -hmm. to kind of hide the real. And, uh, here's an example of that. Uh, as we grew up, me and Eric together, I always looked at Eric as this like fearless guy that was not afraid to be himself in front of anything. Like, and I always looked at him and I was like, God, I wish I was more like that. I wish I so that I'd strived to be that way. And then as time goes on and we've known each other for so long, we're in our thirties and I tell him, Hey man, you've been this, like, this is how I feel about that. And he looks at me, he's like, are you kidding me? That's none of that's real. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I'm, that's how I am doing. And, I, and it like shocked my brain. I was like, wow, the perception right. of like, again, acting, doing like, committing to these moments because it's not like always mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's these certain moments where i would be like oh man he's so funny i wish i had that type of uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know right they, just your skill in being improvisational right. and being fearless like and the like the being comfortable right it that. seemed yeah. to me yeah. like you were super comfortable in it is what yeah. is really yeah. the the thing i'm saying and you said no i'm not yeah and i was like and oh wow yeah you can't people don't know that you're not comfortable if you pretend that you're comfortable <laughs> it's true yeah a lot of it is you can call it pretense or you're pretending i like the term presentation uh, which is really what performance is, is you're showing a certain aspect to viewers or your players or whatever, right. and it may have nothing to do with what's going on internally. 
and oh, you'd absolutely. be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I've had plenty of times where starting up, you know, the the session for the night and I want to throw up because I'm so oh, anxious. 100%. But nobody knows. Nobody yeah, has any idea. Not. Well, that's um, interesting you say that. There's many comedians, or at least one in specific that I'm thinking of, that talks about he'll be on stage and he'll these this audience is dying laughing but inside you know he's not happy like yeah but he's still doing so it's again a performance all of this stuff relates to things and being a game master or a dungeon master whatever you want to call it uh i'm going to stop saying that from now on i'm just going to start saying I'm not going to commit. Master. Just just cut out the first word and just say master. Being a master. Being a master. Bader. What? Calm down. What? Uh, Master Bates. His name's Master Bates. (laughs) That's such a funny show. Dude, I think that that is, uh, I'm dating myself even in the fact that that movie's even before my time. Right. So the fact that I know it, it's, but it's dude Richard Pryor, super funny. so funny, dude. Like, and that that for the listeners, that's the Richard Pryor movie, The Toy. Yeah, and it's. I was such a young kid when I saw that, so a lot of the jokes I that everyone else was laughing at, I didn't get. I didn't, I didn't get. I yeah. didn't like that show when I was young, but I'd watch it because I was bored. We had it, and oh, when really? I think back to it, I'm like, ha. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny! Oh, I loved like, a lot of it. I loved so much of it. I thought Richard Pryor, his, I thought he was so funny. Like, right? I loved it. It was so yeah. good. But regardless, yeah. um, performance would definitely be a high qualifier in mm-hmm. being a good uh, or a uh, not a good. You don't have to have that to be a good one, but to be one that's presented with a master's degree, right? You would and want again, that. Masters meaning you're well-rounded. You you have a sense of the history of the game, and all the aspects that encompass it. You don't have to. It's kind of a misnomer because you don't have to have mastery in every area. All right. You don't have we to can discuss have that masters and statistics and yeah. Um, ironically though, the PhD is more focused, like That's you kind of laser yeah. in on a, psh, but this is more like I have, uh, I've got a good competency in all the areas that d involves, which is a lot of areas. Would you, you know? say that one of the, one of the classes you could take some sort of, it could be just lumped in with improv or acting, but like a voice acting class. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think critical role has shown how. Um, successful that's like peanut butter and jelly like voice acting I've started looking up courses on YouTube and people because I'm like this seems really valuable and I found a ton of cool information perspective on that can I tell you something kind of weird about that is sure I have a friend that's on my team where I work uh, Mm -hmm. and he ever since I've known him man like when he first got on my team he said that he wants to be a voice actor Mm mm-hmm and I, when he said that, I dismissed it at first thinking that's weird. And right. then as I got to know him a little bit, he kind of introduced me to this world of like, oh, wait. Yeah. It's a thing. The voice actors, like there's so many of them that do voices that I love. That you love. Yeah. And they do yeah. so many of them. And it's like, oh, wow. Yep. I, I 
honestly like apologized to the universe and i even said something to him that i honestly didn't think it was a thing until he said that and now i'm like oh dude that's cool i'm i'm stoked for you to try and be that like that's really cool yeah. and he's he's thrown a few vert like he because he practices other voices and mm -hmm. manipulates things and he uh one of my favorite video games is metal gear right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he busts out this solid snake voice that is so good like nice while we were in person i would tell him all the time i go do the voice dude do the voice and he'd be like right. Otacon. and i was like mm. oh you sound like it dude it's so funny <laughs> so i'd tell him to say stupid shit in the snake right. voice and it was so good oh i loved yeah. it regardless yeah. but yeah it i i felt the same way about like voice acting always seemed kind of like this oh if you can't make it as an actor i guess you can do this but that's completely false because we all have like shows where there's voices that you love. Oh, like you're love. Like, oh man, that's so good. That and voice a lot of that is crossover them. too. Yeah, there's a lot of actors who also do voice acting and stuff. But it's a you know, it's a discipline. It's, right. It's Absolutely. legitimate, and and it, I think now again with Critical Role, that's it's made it more like oh yeah, this is something that's legitimate to just the everyday public probably not for everybody right. but i think for a lot of people where like back in the 90s that was like that was a weirdo thing to do like oh, if someone's yeah. like oh yeah i want to be a voice actor you'd be like okay like well even good like luck with that you know which is sad to say i feel like a dick saying that now but that was the perception and oh, it's well, not, i don't feel that way anymore i want to like definitely mm -hmm. delve into this thing for a moment talking about that mm -hmm. is uh, when I was first introduced to Critical Role, wasn't into it. I've tried, didn't like it. But then eventually I kind of, I started to really appreciate it a bit more. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think you've even said it too, is one of the things I love Critical Role for is bringing tabletop RPGs or D&D &D to the front mm -hmm. of kind of nerd, quote unquote, culture, the culture of being you know, nerdy, which is yeah. kind of a mainstream thing almost. I love the fact that D&D &D is now respected like it should have been when we were younger because when we were kids, man, the fact that we liked D&D &D was an offense. Like, we were, that P was... We, it, it was like voice acting. It's like, you're going to do what? You're playing what? D&D? Okay. &D? Well, and, and, that's and Utah specifically... The yeah. satanic panic was still echoing in that ch in the chamber that is we we both grew up in Utah. Right, we grew disclosure. up in Utah County, Utah, which crazy, is crazy like deep crazy in the Utah heart County. of Utah. Yeah, deep in the heart of Mormon country, um, and so there was a lot of people where they they still thought it was satanic, like oh, deep into the nineties, and um, and one thing I want to say is like you know there's a lot of talk about like girls and other people not being accepted we would have loved it oh you if serious? other people would want to play with us nobody wanted to fucking nobody play shit. like boys yeah. girls we would we wouldn't have cared and i think that's yeah. something that you're starting to see a lot more now in yeah. gaming and stuff is that's accepted now and when i see people that are shocked by that i'm like are you serious dude i first of all like watching actual play or people i know 
as a kid growing up doing this stuff, getting to see girls wanting to be like part of it. I'm like, that's the coolest thing ever to me. Like seeing people, regardless of anything, get into it makes me excited. Yeah. Cause it was yeah, such a, sure. like, it was such a desert when we were younger of this, totally. such a desert. And, and you go to the, you go to the game shop and it was just like a bunch of like, old white dudes who were pissed. Oh, yeah. Like, was, God damn it. I, it was this, scary. Can't there, there be another us. store? I don't <laughs> want to go to the store, but there's no other stores. God yeah. damn it. And, yeah, so I love that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's some of my favorite stuff ever. Like, and this is going to sound stupid, but and I'm going to probably paint a target or people are going to be mad, but, man, girls that are into anything that they're into, just like guys, bring this whole element that the other side doesn't have and it mm -hmm. fills it out. It makes it so good. Like I can't tell you how many times I've seen girls doing DMing where I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. And yeah. obviously I have the same reaction for when dudes are DMing and they do really, I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Right. But it's being young and like growing up in the idea and like nerds, like we were back then, it wasn't common back then for girls. To be I around know, that. I didn't know a single girl right. who wanted so to do that. It fills my heart with joy to see yeah, that now. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so cool. I love it's, that. It's really interesting. Again, we I don't know why we this keeps coming up, but it's the it's the sauce of the day is the, is the Sunday sauce? campaign. Um there were three I was DMing, Ian was playing, and then there were three female players yeah and it was really interesting for me as a dm to see how they would solve problems because you know on the friday campaign it's all dudes it's all dudes. it's all dudes and it's we called the conan campaign not because we're playing conan but because it's like smash things with heavy objects like it's just about your, fuck shit up and pull like, your dick out and break down yeah, that brick wall, show basically. show these monsters who's bigger yeah and we do that yeah. to the npcs too like we I can't tell you how many characters have been harassed by my character. Yeah. Ian, Ian likes to play jerks. That's, that's uh, they're his. not jerks. They're they don't. Yeah, they're jerks. They're lo they're lovable rakes. Is that more? Yeah, that's acceptable. People love my characters <laughs> because he's kind of a jerk, but at the same time, he does what's necessary. And it's always they it's always modeled after me a little bit. Like, but that's what really happens in your characters. Yeah, that's Ooh. characters. You're right. you're expressing different aspects of yourself. You right. Know, like Absolutely. My my uh my current character in the Conan campaign is actually a female half drow, half orc, and she's like my favorite character ever. Yeah, like she's it great. Fills this 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 need she's a rogue and it just fills this this need like i friggin love rogues i love her so much oh, and i um, it's such she's eric's so fucked because he brings this character into the campaign and then like almost obviously not on purpose but forces me to pay him money <laughs> to join the group <laughs> Um, it was a it lot was, too. It was, it was like, a nope, lot of gold. Keep raising, man. keep raising it. Go Come higher. On. It was like holy higher. shit. I don't even remember how much it was. It was like ten thousand gold or something. And yeah, you got something half, like that. half then got and half, then half yeah. later. And well, I've got half of the half so far. You still right. paid me the other half. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to pay him. And speaking of this, I want to like delve into another. Sorry if we've 
jumped around for you, but no, you're good. Uh, I've I've got the notes up. I'll bring us back. You're good. Um, there's all like in the games we play, you know, the threat of death or characters dying. People are always kind of nervous about that, and it's this whole thing of death saves and people's characters. I know they've been in games where they've died, but there's been extenuating circumstances where they didn't die because of mm-hmm. something that was going on. And what's funny is, I don't know if anyone really thinks about this within the whole gamut of all the players we play with in our circle, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm the only one that has a character that has died. Has died, yeah. Like, I that. was killed. And to me, I'm like, y'all, y'all need to have one of your characters fucking die. Yeah. Like. For sure. I, I've been really, like, sensitive about that, but I, more and more, I'm like, I... I think it's uh, it's okay. Right. Like, I, I want to have a character die, and I want I want to kill off some characters just to like get over that. Right. Because it's a weird Cause thing. Because we kind of is. brought me back in a different way. But I mean, when you really look at it, my new character, if I could go back, I would just say, let's kill him, and this is the just, new guy. Just let it lie. Just let it lie. Right. But yeah. we, yeah. I made a cool story and a fun little thing for the campaign we were in, because I thought it was interesting. But I was right. what I didn't account for when I did this because I planned it with the GM. Uh, I didn't account for the other players and what their right. reaction to my character dying was going to be, regardless of whether they could bring him back or not. Right. And uh, I I love the players I play with on Friday. We all come from an acting school, so they people commit to their characters pretty severely sometimes. And mm-hmm. it it created a not a fracture but a break in the group where some of the party left um, due to their relationship with the character that died. That was a problem for mm-hmm. them, and they weren't okay with it. And they left, and other players had their own internal thing, and they left, and it was. You know, having a character dies, it's scary at first, but dude, just let it happen. Because if you love playing these games, you love stories, you'll make a new character and you'll love the new character. You will. And once you get into it, there's not, you're going to keep coming up with ideas for like, ooh, I can make this character and this character. And the problem is not going to be your character dying. It's going to be, when am I going to be able to play this character? Like, I've got like 20 character concepts I want to do right now. Right. So once you once you get the ball rolling, having that supply is not going to be yeah. an issue, I think. Absolutely. You know? and, and it just comes again. It's that learning curve. Like when you first start, you're all excited and you don't want your character to die and you have all these dreams and aspirations. And that's awesome. Do that. You need to do that. But mm-hmm. also keep in mind they might die. And if they do... Right. It's okay. It's rolling your character. You'll have another, like the next one you make, I promise you're going to either love it or as you play it and hopefully your GM's cool and you can just be like, hey, I hate this character. Can we, uh, will you please kill him? Kill him so I can make a new one. (laughs) Sure, dude, let's kill him. All right. Right. Cool. Right. And really, I mean, the, the sky's the limit, especially for your DMing style. Like if a character dies, and they really, the party really wants to bring that character back. You can make a whole campaign out of them 
Bring going to back. save that character's oh, yeah. soul. And you can have the player whose character died make a new character and go on the quest, and they go descend into hell or go to whatever plane the soul is on. And, you know, you Bring can, back you can get really good gameplay out of that one thing that may have come from just a really bad dice roll. Like yeah. that with Ian's character, it was just like, oh... I don't want to talk really, about the DM That's rolled fucked. really high and uh, he's gone. He's just it was poof. fucked. We, yeah. our characters, all of a sudden encountered a portal to a god. Nothing to do with what we were doing. No, and it was just like, hey, here's a portal. And we the way, trust the DM. Yeah, Let's we go trust in there. you. What's going on? We go in there <laughs> and then it's like, this is your nightmare, and now you can't leave. And it's like, and you can't oh, use your spells. Now everything's fucked, and we're like, why? Why? What's so, happening? Yeah, you like my thought was like, let's pretend we walked in here. I want to know what your plan was. Was your plan for us to walk in and then just see this thing and go, well, see ya, and just leave? Was that the plan? Why would you create this whole thing for us like that? Unless we were gonna fight it, like right. unless we we're gonna do something with it. So we walk in. And it fucks us. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought my character was gonna die too. I did too. I th- Thanksgiving yeah. dinner is like about to be served, right? You're about to eat this. We've been planning it. We had this really cool idea. We were super stoked, and so this whole Thanksgiving dinner of this extreme encounter we're about to do. Delicious. It smells Shoot. great. And we're all like, "Yeah, this is gonna be sick. We're gonna do this," and then it falls apart into a it's like someone walked in the room and just took a shit in their hands and wiped it all over thanksgiving dinner and it was like and eat that bitch and then they're like by the way there's c4 in the turkey have right. fun <laughs> uh, disarming that you fuckers well, and like, then they ran out of the house or they're like something in this room triggers the c4 and you don't know what it is it could be one of you standing up for all you know and or it could str- be you st- sitting down like not right it could already be so like and then they leave the room and you're like well shit so then we all start desperately trying to do something and mm-hmm. my character just happened to get caught in some bullshit it was a disintegration ray and it went bloop and it hit me with like 92 damage and i had 81 or some shit and it was like yep. if this kills the person they're, they're disintegrated, disintegrated and they're gone and so everyone just kind of sat there and was like wait what yeah, he's gone. And that's where we end tonight's that's, session. That's the end of tonight's session. Oh. S- cool. That's <laughs> That was fun. We just walked in here, and now we're just getting... All right. It was a nice little s- surprise. S- surprise. Welcome. Welcome. You're dead now. Ah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But... It did lead to a lot of very, like, the whole thing was brutal. It was super brutal. And then yeah. it led to a lot of really fun stuff that's happened since then. I, uh, I'm I'm super glad because because of that, my character, uh, his relationship with Ian's character, he just, he literally walked off into the darkness like it was super traumatizing. So I made a new character, and the new I love the new character. Right, that's the new one. She's great. Yeah. Her name is Switch. Right. And my great. character has been replaced through his turn of events with it's his same soul. It's his same kind of personality, but in a new body in this different 
being that sacrificed itself for my character to come back due to us being like Avengers basically and the gods need right. us to like finish out this quest. So now I'm no longer a druid, which I was. Now I'm a uh warlock sorcerer uh multiclass. Yeah, yeah. That's now, absurd. Like this <laughs> my character is one of those kind of characters that you're like, wow, that's fucked. Yeah, I know. It? But it's fun, man. That. We play we play in the Conan campaign, like he's saying, and the goal of the Conan campaign is to fuck. Yep. Everything. Yep. It's to be a sweaty. You gotta like. You gotta stay sweaty. I'm telling you, like I researched how this character come came forward, why they are the way they are, and they are not to be trifled with. This it's. Uh, technically what people call the coffee lock is what I've got, but I mm -hmm. don't, I'm not abusing it like the whole coffee lock situation because we don't why really, do they, why did they call it the coffee lock? I don't know why they call it the coffee lock. All I know is that the reason they call it the coffee lock is because when you're a warlock, a short rest restores your spell slots oh. as a sorcerer, you can you use spell magic. slots to do right. So uh, you have the sorcery points to fuck around mm -hmm. spell slots. So in certain game modes, it's overpowered because you can short rest. And now all of a sudden I have extra sorcery points where I can refuel myself in ways. So basically it's, it's the magical equivalent of just pounding coffee. Like, I maybe like, yeah. I'm fucking ready. Let's do this. Right, but we don't in our campaign. We don't use short rests enough for that to become like something that I can really right. take advantage of. It's not. I we don't even do downtime. I think right. Like two sessions ago was the first time we really had like kind of a downtimey like, hey, let's just hang out in this city. Right. Well, that city yeah. now is a nightmare. But regard. The point is burn it. Burn it to the ground. The Burn it to the ground. You know. I don't know what my point is. I'm talking about D and D. Whatever. Talking about D and D. Well, we we were talking about character death and how that's good, and then we got oh, right. into and then I got the new guy and he he's a bastard guy. and yeah. I've done yeah, some. He's he's like bastard 2.0. Oh yeah, but he's so. like he's not a jerk openly anymore. He's a jerk mm -hmm. by being a super manipulative dick. Yeah. Uh, and my charisma is stupid high. Yeah. yeah. Um, because in my backstory, I used something because our GM approved this. He probably doesn't remember it, but he did. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the items I took for creating a high level character was this book. I don't remember what it's called. But when your character is able to use this book, it will increase your charisma by like two. Is that where you read it for a certain amount of time and it's then it's also yeah. magical? I know exactly what you're talking about. But it increases your charisma by plus two, even if it's of already at 20, it allows it to go to 22. Mm -hmm. So I have that. So I, my charisma is 22, so it's mm -hmm. a plus six. Yeah. And I'm a, you know, a warlock, so everything I use is based on that. I'm also the sorcerers, like this dragon ancestry for cold so I get to add any spell that I use that's cold I get to add damage to it 
Mm -hmm. But then since I took a meta magic, it allows me to change the element of any of my spells to cold. Mm -hmm. So I can use sorcery points to add six to any of the spells that I'm casting. And Just uh, what's your total level to, you should say? 18. Yeah, so it's total level between the two classes is 18. If I you don't know like, what that means, don't worry about it, but it's <laughs> fucking I think he's powerful. a level 6 warlock and a level 14 sorcerer. Oh, so your base is sorcerer? Yeah. Okay. Because the sorcerer Please. was what the character was when they sacrificed mm -hmm. themselves to those gods and right. said, I'll go. And that's when they supplant him with the warlock version gotcha. of my character now. Now... Is his is the the original body's soul is that completely gone or does he pop up and like scream at you in your head sometimes? No, see, if we played a campaign where that was something, I would say that because the, his physical shift was only slight, so he looks a little bit like my old character, mm -hmm. but he still looks like that guy. Mm -hmm. If we were to go to places where he would be recognized, it would be like, oh shit, that's that guy. And right, he was like his is his do you hear him speaking no, in your he, head? He's, he's gone. He went to the next okay. plane. Okay. Um, so he died for all intents and purposes. Right, exactly. And you because his family was already up in Bro. Bro, that's that's body snatching. Yeah, it's, it's not, that's an that's that's an evil act. And then it's my character good. went and got a tattoo that's a magical tattoo uh on his skin that's uh, allows him to have an armor class of 18 uh, with, but he can't wear any armor. So right. that's what his armor has been is just this tattoo and it can't get any stronger than just 18. That's his armor right. class. Right. Right. But that's what's, that's what was funny about me to me with what was going on in this most recent encounter was first of all, my sword is a packed blade. So he can't take my packed blade from me. It's my, I, it can't be taken. Secondly, that came in handy too. Right. And secondly, and that's also my spell focus. So you can't mm -hmm. like, you can't. And then my tattoo is my armor class. So you literally only thing that can stop me from being who I am is something that takes away magic. That's the only thing that can stop baby. me. Yeah. So sure. I thought that was a funny little interaction with, for the guards when they were like take his sword and I shoved it in the ground <laughs> and they right. took it and it just disappeared and I'm like well, where's my sword it's yeah. stupid for sure I definitely so. egged on those those guards a bit mm -hmm. but uh, I mean and see here's the other thing about never mind no go ahead no like the say it what happened is I wasn't even involved like what went on had nothing to do with me and i was still like really yeah that's true is definitely true crazy yeah crazy and Indeed. i will burn yardar eventually burn once once this storm king's thunder like this story is done Anything is up for grabs now. I don't care if my character dies. I finish the story. I don't give a shit. I will kill every Lord's Alliance and Yak Folk piece of shit on Faerun. You're all going to suffer my wrath. I don't care. Fuck you. And it's okay, listeners, if you don't know why he hates Yak Folk, but they're, they, uh, 
They 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 uh, they attacked us unprovoked. Let's just say. Let's that. just say that. Yeah. That's a simplistic version of it, but yeah. they fucked with us, and it was dumb. And we, again, it was just like these the Lord's Alliance. Some shit went down. That was that we were like, yo, what, what's happening? All of you there, are condemned forever. It was a left turn for sure. It was a left turn. So. Um, that's a, that's a little, that's a little, uh, info on our, uh, our lives, our, our, our lives and campaigns. Hope um, it was fun. so getting back to the, uh, degree, um, so some kind of project campaign, something, it seems like the, the go-to is going to be like a homebrew world. That's like your ongoing project. But if that's not what you want to do, maybe it's something else. And then. Uh, I would say uh, the next thing is uh, repertoire. So like having encounters that you can just kind of like a musician has certain licks. You have like certain monsters. Like if you're, you need something quick, you have these encounters. And again, this ties into your table time. So as you run things, you just, you have things on hand. So you, you know how a goblin encounter is going to run or you really like, you really like this certain type of aberration, you know, you can throw it in there and how it's going to react to the players. I feel like that ties into the, uh, the final project having to be something, 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 it has to be something, something that shows competency Mm -hmm. in the field of, improv in the game right and so like that's so to me i mean this is this would be kind of brutal part of the final project might be you have to like live stream or record uh like a three to four session situation that you've totally that you show each one of those like there's certain let's call them what do they call it in acting that you have to hit marks mm-hmm. certain marks you have to hit uh, and how you hit those is up to you right. but that would be just for that final project that you have to submit for your master's degree you would show that competency in right the, like right. you'd have to be able to show the competency in these random feet random random feel random table yeah, random tables, encounters, and yep. yeah, uh, jot, like having having a few uh, battle maps prepared, having like showing competency in that level of, uh, you know, being a game master because you see people, and I mean, going into this, it going to show like people because there's groups I'm in like that have game masters that advertise their skills for money, like we'll all run your game for you. It costs mm-hmm. this much, but it like, how do you like, how can you have competency? Like, how can you feel that they're competent in doing that? But if there was like an, a literal, here's de- the things you should expect from your professional DM. Right. And like, you know that yeah. this masters, like, they're like, oh, I've got a masters in game mastering. You're like, oh shit. I know that guy had, had has had to pass this thing and you'd only know this because you play games and you know about this degree because of it you go oh i know that this guy has to do this 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 and this in order to do it so like we could literally be like yeah we want to play this campaign 
and this is how we want to do it. And he'd be like, I got you. And he would be able to nail that shit out mm-hmm. and keep it legit for you. And you'd trust in that because mm-hmm. he's got a master's in gaming. Gaming, and I, I think game mastering. Too, yeah, game mastering. A master's in game mastering, yeah. Um, I think, too, I mean, it's a great resume builder. Now, professional DMing is very controversial. Some people are very opposed to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Some people are really for it. We're not going to debate that. Right. So, um, but just if that's something you want to do, it's a great resume builder. Like if you right. have your website, you can be like, look, I've done this. I've done this. I've, I have these things. You, It's a way for you to also show uh, what you can do and what players can expect. Right. Absolutely. If that's something you're interested in. So, well, cause I think um, that's a player expectancy or what a player would expect managing that. Right. Uh, as a game master and as a player, mm-hmm. if there was this person that had this degree, as a player, your expectancy of what he has to offer, he or she, what they, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, could have to offer, you'd be like, oh, this person is going to be able to do this. Like, mm-hmm. they are, you'll, you would trust in that, knowing what they had to go through to get it, you know, like right. physical beatings. Right, whippings, you know, flagellation, the, the pool cue, um, pool ball in in the sock. Oh, oh yeah. the cue ball in the sock. <laughs> cue ball in the sock. Or the like, just bars of soap, like in bars that of sh- soap, change. Just, you know, wh- whatever works, and right. you don't, you know, you don't get any bonus to your AC for that. That's just a sock world. full of dice. D4s. So, oh, there you go. That's appropriate, right there. Just like, how many D4s need to be in there? You put uh, ten ooh. for each year that you're ten in the for program, each year. and and you have a specially it's a specially made sock that's like a dice bag but really long. No, it'd have and to be just a like thin garment, and it's all metal dice, D fours. Ooh, and like they 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 beat you with them. <laughs> And it's they get to swing at you five times for every year in the program, and your hands are manacled above you. You can move around as much as you can try, but they get to like just swing at you five times for every year to prove your uh, commitment. And you have to you have to recite the intro to the DMG as they whip you. And then you have to like <laughs> recite random. Uh, mottos. Monster stats? No, like random mottos from different cultures and different things. Nice. Um, and you got to make sure you're not biased, so you got to like hit all the different. You have to cultures. have to hit a few, yeah. Have to hit you a have few. Have to hit a few, yeah. Sounds good. I I think this is going to be a very inclusive and accepting. And they can hit you wherever they want course. with that sock right. of doom, right. wherever like, they want, wherever they yeah. want, and it's. I mean, if you've been in the program for five years just because you've been taking your sweet time, that's 50 metal D4s in that sack. I mean, and, we're and just means, trying to motivate you to, to finish quicker. That's and if all. it's five times per year, they get to swing at you 25 times with that so, sock. You might die. Like, that could I mean, kill you if they hit you. But you get a cool you. tattoo. If, if you do get it to 25, you get the reach 25. Dude, you will be covered tattoo. in scars from that. Oh, There's yeah. no, There will be no room for tattoos. You'll be that's, just rife with wounds. That's your, that's your resume right there. You're like, just look at my scars. Look at me. I'm covered Tw- in D4 five scars. Five years, bro. Five years, guys. Okay. 
So or they use like you know those pitching machines, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ones that shoot the ball at like let's say uh, ninety six uh, miles per hour. God, but no. what they do is it's a huge tank of just D4s, metal D4s, and they just drop them in there and they just fly out like... Oh, you're going to lose an eye. Oh, you're, you're going to hurt. Teeth. It's going to hit you in places. It's gonna, that's going to puncture you for sure. It's gonna, I, I feel the need to say we are completely joking. That is horrible. It's that's awesome. That's, that's why that's, we're saying it because it's terrible. It's so. terrible. This isn't actually part of the master's degree. Yeah, I feel like some people might insane. be like, are they serious? Uh, no, no we're, we're not serious. Never serious, ever. ever. We're saying something and you're like, that's crazy. That's because we're joking. Yeah, we know it's crazy. We're we're being silly. We're um, leaning, leaning into that crazy. And, you know, once you take your beatings, though. Um, There's a ceremony. The, there is a ceremony. I think the next thing is system mastery, which means how well do you know the system that you're running and again uh it could be just a master's degree and it could be system ag- agnostic so it could be like maybe you really want it to be you you really love blades in the dark or simbarum or or warhammer fantasy roleplay or tin candles or whatever it is the you can you can adapt this uh, learning system to that, but how well do you know the system? And again, a lot of this ties into table time. So if you run the game a lot, uh, you will get a mastery over the system. You will build um, encounters. And so for me, it always goes back to the doing of the thing. Right. Absolutely. Is how you how you really be how, how it's all that's the foundation of it. Just do it. Um, yeah. Just do it because that will necessitate like oh. I need to build this random table. What kind of... Should I do 2d6? Should I do a 1d20? Should I do a 1d100? Should I do a, a 3d10, which I guess people are big fans of, you know? And, I like... And I, at first, all I was that really, kind of stuff. I was really a big fan, like, when I started doing my own homebrew, like, weapons and stuff. I was like, ooh, a lot of d4s. That's a fun table. Like, that's a fun mm-hmm. damage table, because it can get, like... If you do, f- like, six d4s... That can mm-hmm. be some rough damage or some nothing damage. Right. Um, and it's got like a pretty, ex- it seems, I mean, I don't know the stats behind it, but I've played with the rolls just by doing it a bunch. Mm-hmm. And I've really liked it. But then when I've started learning about Blades in the Dark, I've started playing with like smaller D6 pools mm-hmm. for damages and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that creates something that's, more consistent yet has a variable to it it's like oh that can hit pretty low but it will generally hit this yeah and Uh, there is a there is a site called anydice.com i believe it might be .org but i believe it's .com that will actually show you the bell curves you can type in like what die pool you want to have and it'll show you what the averages are for every number so you don't necessarily have to do all this from scratch. And that's, again, the Internet, in my opinion, is school. And it's your resource for all these things, which seems should be obvious, but um, people don't really seem to think about it that way very often. So um, I think that's a good chunk right there. I think yeah. that's kind of like that's a good rough draft of like, OK, w- what would be involved and of course, you're not really going to be, get beat with dice. This doesn't really exist, so this is you doing it on your own. So really, you'd have to whip yourself with 
dice, which <laughs> self-flagellation seems even just worse. Just a sock somehow. of just, you don't really increase. I will just, be a master. Right. I will. I will. You know, so. You definitely um, need to jump off of like a, like a 15-foot building and hit the ground to understand that 10, like that D6 damage when you hit the right. ground. You, right. have you to need to understand that. viscerally and make sure you do like a belly flop. Yeah, you have to hit that ground hey. solid. Yeah. Not on don't, your la- don't, don't land on your feet. That's stupid. Do do not do that. We di- disadvise. Do not yeah, if, jump if you off do a that, building. That's that's natural selection. You shouldn't do that. That's a you're on our advice. We're saying don't do that. But it's really funny to think about. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let us know what you think in the doobly do or no the doobly do is where we put stuff in the that. comments. I hate hey, that's. Hey Ian. I know, I know. Doobly do, doobly do, bro. That is what it's called. I'm gonna use the name. I know you're gonna called. do that. Yeah. I know. Well, let's. Uh, um, what? Oh man. <laughs> what were you gonna say? What? I got so much to say. Always, you know that. I so much never... to say. Well, I was gonna change topics, but if you have oh, things was, to say, I thought we were signing off. Oh no! I mean, we can. I just I thought that was a good point to be like, hey. I mean, my, we can sign off for sure, for sure. Do you feel like that's a good place to stop? I do. Okay, well we're we're gonna we're gonna sign off, and uh, we'll we'll turn all the the copious amounts of notes I always have too many into the next episode. Well, yeah, this is just a continual, continual thing. Stay tuned um, to listen so, to the next one. Binge it. Fuck yeah. you. Um, yeah, I mean, in a very loving way. Right. Uh, so, listeners, let us know what you think. Maybe you think it's complete bullshit. To yeah, if we're like, garbage, you can tell us. You are garbage people living on a garbage island. That's fine. Drown yourselves um, yeah. for your opinions. Yeah. Could, but okay. let, us know, let us know in the comments what you think. Um, you can also email us at... Uh, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the podcast right now. Philomith. Yeah, philomithia at gmail.com. You can hit us up. We do not have a website or anything right now. We're just uh, on YouTube. Tell Jerry you love his music because it's great. Tell Jerry you love his music. He's got tons of awesome stuff. He's making a website soon. He's making a website, so we will let you know what that is. That'll probably be changed in the credits and stuff already, but... This is what we yeah, know about it. Yeah, we'll, but we'll still talk about it. We'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Jerry and his music when we do our music episode. <laughs> but we're going to well. bring him on here, right? Yeah, we can. That's a great idea. I think sure. we should bring a few of our friends bring, on here. Bring some guests on. Yeah, just to be yeah. like, hey, this is a person we know from this game we play. Regale us with your Tell thoughts. us, what's it like to play with me and Eric? Because right? me and Eric together is uh again we've known each other for a long time so we do well with each other <laughs> right and we can also cause nightmarish we also steamroll the shit out of everybody because yeah. yeah. you're yeah, we're, sure. we're big and tough i'm big and tough so you, let us know what you think yeah I'm like whether you love it or hate it uh, we're interested you're gonna think of stuff i mean the internet's going to have lots more thoughts than any one or two per- persons well, if you have, like, questions alone that you want us to know. answer 
because or you're wondering things you want us to talk about yeah because you're like hey i wonder about this say hey i wonder yeah. about this and if we don't even know we'll be like hey we'll check that out and see what we come up with and we'll come we'll back talk about you. it yeah. yeah yeah we got we love it and yeah maybe sure. one day one of you will be on the here to chat with us who knows maybe you will and if you try some of these things out let us know yeah. what happens like again fail success yeah absolutely like it's all it's all good um so we love you and you, you uh, say it. you say it you want me to say it yeah you say it stay sweaty stay sweaty everybody stay This has been a Polymuse Creative Production. Music was provided by Jerry Stinquist. To check his music out, go to soundcloud.com forward slash Jerry Stinquist. Until next time, roll high and take a point of inspiration. Like, share, subscribe!